Welcome to the Pad the Stats podcast, your destination for everything fantasy football and where fantasy title hopes come true. And now your host, James Swanson. In 2015, John Brown had 65 receptions, 1,003 yards, and 7 touchdowns on 101 targets and finished his wide receiver 21. Can he duplicate something similar to that in his first year in Baltimore? He's one of my favorite deep sleepers this season and somebody that you can get in the double-digit rounds. Certainly somebody to keep your eye on. Hi, everyone. I'm James Swanson, and this is Pat the Stats. Pat was feeling a bit under the weather this evening, so I'm here again by myself. Josh Gordon is back at practice, everybody. Thank goodness. I'm so excited about that news because, one, he's on my dynasty team, and, two, he's somebody that I have been targeting heavily in rounds four and five. Um, When I'm doing mock drafts, I just find myself, I find Josh Gordon falling to me there a lot where it's Josh Gordon, Allen Robinson, Juju um, Smith-Schuster, Jarvis Landry even, and I I just always gravitate towards Josh Gordon because I love that upside. So the news that he's back at practice, he hasn't officially been cleared yet by the NFL to practice, but that is more, it's going to come. Um, But just the fact that he's back at practice is just, just great news. So uh, we're going to be talking about that much more from the league news and notes, plus a brief recap from preseason week two. There's a game going on tonight. I'm recording this on Monday night. I do apologize. Everybody is I wanted to get this out, wanted to do this on Sunday. I was out of town over the weekend, only got back in last night. Didn't really have time to get all of my notes and things organized, so I wanted to take a little bit more time uh, as I broke down our Would You Rather series for round 6 through 10, which is going to be at the end of our show tonight. That's the big segment, so I will go through players whose ADPs are very close, and I want to give you as the listener, as the fantasy football player, the owner, the chance to evaluate a couple guys that are close in each round, round six through 10, and say, okay, should I draft this guy or this guy? And hopefully give you the best, um, you know, help you make the most educated guess possible and give you some some valuable information, statistics about these players. So uh, let's see here. First, though, uh, two things I wanted to talk about, actually, before I do get into the league news and notes. One was a Twitter poll that I ran the other day and uh, also was one of the mock drafts that I just completed. So I'll talk about my Twitter poll here first. Let me go ahead and pull that up. And what the question that I asked was, um, you know, which I put three rookie receivers under the microscope and said, which one of these three receivers do you think has the best chance to make a fantasy impact in year one? And the options were Christian Kirk, Michael Gallup, and James Washington. Part of the reason I did this was because after the big game that James Washington had, uh, in week two, and also Christian Kirk looked very good in week two, had a touchdown catch from Josh Rosen. And we know that, <clears throat> excuse me, Michael Gallup's situation in Dallas, the fact that he has an opportunity to be a number one receiver potentially. So the the results of this poll, Michael Gallup did win 42% of the votes, followed by Christian Kirk at 33%, and then followed by James Washington at 25%. I'm not particularly surprised with these results, though I would say that we saw Juju Smith-Schuster have a serious impact last year as the Steelers' presumably number three receiver. Obviously, Martavis Bryant didn't pan out. Juju really turned into their number two receiver behind Antonio Brown. I could see James Washington having a similar... I, I don't think he's going to catch 60 or 70 passes in year one. I think he's somebody that's going to be more around 30 to 35 catches, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, just because we've talked about this before, even with Juju, there's there's a cap there. Um, there's a lot of targets to be had, a, a huge target share between Brown, Bell, and Smith-Schuster. So, again, I think James Washington is somebody you can probably get 30 to 35 catches, but he's going to be somebody that might be in that 15 to 16 yard per catch range, um, which is great. You know, if, if he can catch maybe four or five touchdowns on top of that, you know, it's going to be really hard because you're not going to know where to use him. It's going to come sporadically, his production. He's going to have a big week here and then maybe not do anything for four or five weeks and have another big game here. So it's going to be really hard. He's going to be somebody that um, I think in daily fantasy play, James Washington in a good matchup here or there, you could you know, take a shot at him as your third wide receiver at a, at a very, very low cost. Um, but I think I would probably 
this is these are all tight for me but i think i would agree with michael gallup i think he might just on sheer value volume alone somebody that is probably the most capable of these three receivers to have over 100 targets so i would probably lean with the poll as well and say michael gallup has that best chance so let me also talk about my um mock draft as i just mentioned hold on let me pull that up so i'll give you some background on it really quickly what it was it was a 12 team and i put it i put myself as the number one position uh, because I have a draft coming up, and I just found out yesterday or the day before that I was awarded the number one overall uh, draft spot. Well, I don't know if I want to say awarded's the best word because I don't know how I feel about it. I think I would much rather be closer towards the middle of the ra- of you know the middle of the round drafting. Um, I don't know how I feel about one, and I haven't had one to this point, so I haven't done a lot of mocks from that spot. But it was interesting, so let me pull that up. Um, and I just wanted to kind of go over some of the picks. So I did go Le'Veon Bell first off. Um, and again, my reasoning there, I just think when it comes down to the end of it, I don't, I don't think we're going to see 80 some targets again from Todd Gurley. Um, I think the six touchdown catches were a bit of a, you know, a bit of a little fluky if I'm being completely honest. And I think Le'Veon Bell is more of a shoe in, uh, per se, for you know 70 75 plus receptions as opposed to Gurley so I I just like the ability a little bit more from Bell um you know in a PPR league so that's kind of why I'm taking him there uh so my running backs my quarterback was Ben Roethlisberger my running backs were uh Le'Veon Bell uh Joe Mixon who I took in the second round and then on the turn I took Rob Gronkowski and I haven't been targeting Gronkowski a lot but there was really nothing else there for me to do I love Stefan Diggs, but it was a little bit too early for me there. I think T.Y. Hilton was off the board at that point. So I didn't feel good about any of the other players on the board at that point. I thought, well, this is actually a little bit later than Gronk's been going, particularly in a 12-team league. You know, first pick of the third round. It just felt like it was a it was good value. I was getting him about four or five picks later than he could have gone. And if I wouldn't have taken him there, I, I think I would have been kicking myself uh, at the end of the day. And I don't think I would have gotten nearly as good of a player um, with any of the other picks. So then it comes back around to me at the end of the fourth round and the beginning of the fifth round that turn. I ended up going to Mary's Thomas and Allen Robinson. Was fine with both those picks. I didn't have a receiver to this point. I was happy. It was an easy decision to take those two players. I won't go through all my picks here, but to round out my roster, I had, again, Bell, Mixon, Tom... um, Chris Thompson, Tevin Coleman, and Duke Johnson at running back. Um, my receivers were Demaryius Thomas, Allen Robinson, uh, Calvin Ridley, Anthony Miller, John Brown, who I mentioned at the top of the show and just had another touchdown catch tonight from Joe Flacco, and he was also targeted on a, a deep pass down the seam early in that game against Indianapolis tonight. He looks good. I just feel I feel really good about John Brown this year as a, as a really good sleeper. Um, guys that I'm, I'm drafting at the end of the draft, again, Ryan Grant, Keelan Cole, um, even, even DD Westbrook, but especially John Brown, you know, Kenny Stills, guys like that. So if you're looking deep, um, sorry to again, divert from my roster here, but if you're looking for some more sleeper wide receivers, those are some good names. Uh, and then Chris Godwin, Keelan Cole, James Washington, and Christian Kirk. So I feel good about all of my receivers. Really? I felt like I, got guys in each round that I wanted and it, it set up for me really well tight ends were Gronk and Trey Burton so again this is a 12-man PPR uh, one quarterback two running backs two receivers a tight end and then two flex spots so you know I really wanted to load up on one or the other either running backs or receivers most of the time I like to pre- I prefer to load up on running backs because we know the revolving door in the NFL in 2018 with backfield situations. We see it so many times, not to mention the guys get hurt all the time. But with the receivers that were falling to me in the double-digit rounds, I felt like I couldn't pass up on some of these guys, particularly Washington and Kirk. I thought those were great, great, great late flyers, 16, 15, 16, 17th round. Chris Godwin loved him, where I got him, Keelan Cole, John Brown. I mean, all of them are the same. So I feel like one of those guys really gives me you know, some upside uh, value, you know, the potential to be breakout players even. Um, 
So I'm pretty happy with that team. The only thing I would change is I would draft another quarterback because these are 10 bench. This is a 10 bench league, which I don't like. Everything else about the league, I, I like it. That's the one thing I don't prefer. Having that many bench spots, I think the waiver wire is going to be very dry, especially we've seen Ben Roethlisberger's st- statistics and on the road and how poorly he plays. Um, so I'll, I'll have to do a little digging there from time to time, especially when Ben goes on a bye, but we'll figure that out when the time comes. I'm really happy with my running back and receiver situation and my tight end situation. All right, let's get into the lead news and notes. It's talking about the Josh Gordon news right off the bat, right? Great to have him back at practice. Like I, There's not really too much more to add here other than the fact that reiterating the fact that I have seen him a lot in the fourth and fifth round, especially the fifth round where I'm just falling in love with him. I've even seen him a couple times fall to the sixth round, though it's very rare. I'm scooping him up in the fifth round regardless. I just see the 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 upside there, and it's he's one of the top three or four talents at the position in this league. People realize that. Come to realization that Josh Gordon is one of the freakish athletes at the position, one of the top, again, three, four, five guys. I just think that's going to win out at the end of the day. It's even more so than somebody like Sammy Watkins. He's another guy we can point to, and I've always said he's a top 10 talent at the position. Hasn't worked out the past couple years. Injuries have had something to do with that. But Gordon, I think, is actually on another level than Sammy Watkins. I don't think many people would would disagree with me there. Trust me, he's going to show up this year. And if he plays 16 games, you are going to be very, very happy drafting him even as a number two receiver. And if you can draft him as your number three receiver, I mean, watch out. He's a flex play that could absolutely, or if you're in a three receiver league, a, a play that can absolutely make or break your league. We've talked about these guys. Corey Davis being another one of those players, I think, could very well make or break your league. I think LaShawn McCoy is somebody that could do that. You know, if he continues to fall because we don't know what's going on with the off the field stuff, he's a player who is everything in Buffalo outside of, you know, there's Kelvin Benjamin, but there's no other receivers there to take a a big target share away. And we know how much they like to use McCoy in the passing game. And we know he can still play and he can still run. You know, it's a matter of him also staying healthy now, his age, 30 years old, or he's approaching 30, I think. And he has a lot of work on those legs. But I'm starting to get off on a tangent here. But the point is, there are some guys in those middle rounds who can really kind of decide your... I don't want to say decide your fate. I shouldn't put it that way. But they could they could take you over the top. They really can. I think Gordon's one of them. Okay. Uh, let's see here. AJ McCarron, we got to talk about that because he did not suffer a broken collarbone, collarbone versus the Browns. It was, it was thought to be that. The reports... Uh, the you know reports the the medical reports did not come back conclusive so um yeah he it, it originally i should say and he did not suffer a broken collarbone so he should be back at practice from what i'm hearing fairly soon the other big big piece of news just because of the magnitude of this player is the redskins have signed adrian peterson this just makes the redskins backfield that much muddier i in my personal opinion I was not drafting Rob Kelly or Samaj P. Ryan uh, prior to this, and I don't particularly want anything to do with Adrian Peterson at the moment. The only person I'm drafting in that backfield is Chris Thompson in a PPR league. Look, if you want to go out and draft Adrian Peterson in the late rounds, more power to you, but it better not be before the double-digit rounds, I can tell you that much. There's no way you should be drafting him in the 8th or ninth round when I mean let's face it like there's gonna be there's gonna be players there like Carlos Hyde like I would take any of the Packers running backs over him still at this point it's just gonna be a, a muddy situation um I would particularly I would you know I I would stay away from it personally Rex Burkhead has a reported slight tear in his knee I'm worried about drafting Rex Burkhead now because of this obviously I don't know what a slight tear means if he's likely to tear it further and miss time they're saying that currently he can play through it but in terms of ownership this scares me about Rex Burkhead it should scare you too I don't know if he's been look he's been somebody that I've been looking at in that fifth and sixth round range where it comes to Tariq Cohen Sony Michelle carry on Johnson 
even Royce Freeman. I've, I've looked at, now Royce Freeman has kind of jumped up a little bit for most people, so I don't know if you're going to find him quite that late, but the point is, I was leaning Rex Burkhead a lot in those situations. Now, eh, I don't know, I'm starting to get scared off a little bit by that. Okay, let's see here, what else do we got news-wise? Quite a bit, I'll run through some of these um, pretty quickly, because I don't want this to drag too much. Delaney Walker suffered a lower body injury in practice last Thursday. It's believed to be a toe injury, so that's something to keep your eye on. Bears tight end Adam Shaheen injured his ankle, but it is believed to be he escaped with a low ankle sprain. So that's good news. Um, uh, Trey Burton looked good the other night. Caught a touchdown pass in the in the Bears' second preseason game, and I still find myself getting more and more excited about him. And I'm I've been just thrilled to get him in the eighth and ninth round. I think that's great. If you want to draft Trey Burton in the seventh round, I don't think anybody's going to, you know, shun you for that either. I think that's a that's a fine move. I wouldn't take him any higher than that, though. It's being reported that Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray could split the workload. I had joked with Pat that I thought about taking Dalvin Cook fifth overall in our PPR 14-team draft. I don't know if I ever was going to do that because I do think that Antonio Brown or David Johnson is going to fall to me or, or you know, one of, one of those big four backs not Gurley or Bell, but maybe Zeke or Johnson or AB, and I would certainly scoop any one of those guys up. But I was very high on Dalvin Cook. I thought that, you know, if I'm in that 8, 9, and 10 range, I, he's somebody that I would want even over like Leonard Fournette, Melvin Gordon, possibly Kareem Hunt. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I might move him down just a little bit now with with this kind of news. Look, some of this training camp and preseason chatter you can you know you can kind of take it with a grain of salt but the how effective Latavius Murray was last year um you know it concerns me a little bit and the fact that that Cook is coming off the ACL injury I've said before and I do stick by this still that it I believe it's a one-off and I think he's going to be fine this year but they they realize that he's their workhorse back of the future um and I just wonder if they are going to use Latavius Murray a good bit to spell Dalvin Cook to keep him fresh, to keep those legs fresh. So just something to consider when you're going into your draft. Uh, Jamal Williams has a minor sprained ankle, but he should be fine for the start of the season. Jake Kumaro, the uh, Packers wide receiver who's really been coming on as of late, had a, had a nice long touchdown catch in that game. Um, against the Steelers on Thursday night. He has a sprained SC joint in his shoulder, and he sounds like he's going to miss some time, but they're optimistic he's gonna, he could be ready for the start of the season. New York Daily News is reporting that it would be an upset if Sam, Sam Darnold did not start week one. So that is something to keep your eye on. Who is the starting quarterback going to be for the Jets? I think that could affect Robbie Anderson a little bit. If it was going to be Josh McCown, I was much more excited to draft Robbie Anderson, even the... Uh, seventh round, uh, I I don't know now. I have to evaluate it a little bit more if it is going to be uh, Sam Darnold because we haven't seen him push the ball down the field yet. It worries me a little bit because Robbie Anderson's game is, you know, getting over the top of the defense. Uh, he had, I think, 63 catches last year for over 900 yards, seven touchdowns. So he's somebody that can stretch the field, and that can take some time to build that connection between a quarterback and a guy like that sometimes. So we'll see how this affects the Jets offense. And again, particularly Robbie Anderson, that's kind of who I have my eye on here. Pete Carroll's confirmed that Doug Baldwin has ramped up his conditioning this week, so that's good. Samaji P. Ryan expecting to miss at least a week after suffering a sprained ankle first the Jets. And running back Byron Marshall also injured his ankle and missed two to four weeks. So Again, the, the Adrian Peterson signing is big for them. They're pretty banged up at that position. Patriots first-round pick, offensive tackle, Isaiah Wynn has a torn Achilles and will miss the season. Big news for the Patriots there, um, uh, you know, to a front that has taken a beating over the past few years. James Washington, as I mentioned, had five receptions, 114 yards, two touchdowns, had a great performance, a really nice catch in the back of the end zone, really two nice touchdown catches in that game. And I'm hearing that Christian Kirk has created some separation for the number two role. So um, I'm, I'm getting more and more excited about him taking him as a late flyer, particularly in you know the 12th and 13th rounds. And then Jordan Wilkins is getting some first team reps. One of the running backs that I've also been targeting, targeting late. I think that the fact that a, what, a fifth or sixth rounder 
in the NFL draft is getting first team reps at this point. I think that's really good news. And I'm excited to see what he can do if he gets the opportunity. Okay, let's talk round six through 10. We're going to put some guys under the microscope who are very close in ADP, as I mentioned at the top of the show. And we want to compare these guys, and I want to give you as much information as possible so you can make the best decision on draft day when you're when you're picking between these guys so some of these guys are you know right back to back they're separated by a couple spots in current ADP let's start with round six and actually you know what before I I do that before we we get into player comparison I want to talk about each another couple maybe a couple other side notes from each round as well the one thing that I wanted to bring up is when we're looking at round six and you're deciding if you want to start looking at a quarterback at this point. I think it's fine for Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Drew Brees to go in this range. I've found myself a lot of times, um, particularly when I was taking, when I had the number one pick in this mock draft that I just did, I found Drew Brees there at 6.12 for me. I found Andrew Luck. I found uh, Matt Stafford, Kirk Cousins, Cam Newton in that range. I think personally, if you want to take Drew Brees, Let's assume that Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, uh, Deshaun Watson are all gone. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is probably way long gone. If he's not, then, oh my gosh, get Aaron Rodgers. But no, that won't happen. Um, But I think at that turn, in that particular, if you're drafting first and you have that 6.12 and 7.1 pick, um, I still find myself wanting to wait another round or two. But if if you're in the sixth round, again, I think I think Drew Brees is fine there. I would still wait probably. Like say you have the fourth pick and it comes back to you at, uh, what, 6'8 or whatever. Um, I think you can wait until 7.4 to take that quarterback because I think you can still get Cam Newton. I think you can get Andrew Luck. I think you can get Kirk Cousins still. One of those guys is still going to be available. For me, it's been Andrew Luck, and I find myself taking him a lot in the seventh round. So just a bit of quarterback advice. Um, I think the one thing to take away from that is don't get too jumpy in the sixth round because there's going to be still be a handful of guys you can get in the seventh, eighth round at quarterback. Unless you're really dead set on a guy, and I found myself being dead set on Andrew Luck before where I just I say, hey, screw it. I'm going to go get him right here in the sixth round. Um you know, particularly if I'm very late in the draft and I don't foresee him coming back to me at the end of the seventh round, that might be a scenario. Um, but in general, I think you can wait a little bit longer. Okay, so I've also seen Alshon Jeffrey begin to fall to this round, round six, and his current ADP is still 5.08, but he continues to fall because of what we heard from Eagles camp, that there is a possibility that he can wind up on the pup list. If that is to happen, I've mentioned before that Nelson Aguilar gets a huge bump. Alshon Jeffrey's value would plummet significantly. I laid out the numbers for you in my last, I think it was last podcast or the one before that. If he plays nine games, well, it would only be eight. Um, no, I'm sorry. It would be it would be nine because they have the bye after week six. Then, you know, like 40 catches is probably what you're looking at for Alshon Jeffrey and wide receiver. He's going to be in like the 40s if he only plays nine games. But... If he, if if by some chance, well, I, I shouldn't even say by some chance because I think there's still a, a, a possibility, a decent possibility that he plays the entire season or at least starts in week one or week two. And if that's the case, and if you get him in round six, I mean, you just, you, you, that's another guy who might have just won your league because of where you got him. Because if he does play the full season, you know Carson Wentz is going to be targeting him a lot. And even if he is only a 70-catch guy, you can almost certainly count on seven or eight touchdowns um, at least. And and you're just going to—I mean, that's just going to be a great, great situation if he does play and you get him in the sixth round. So the point here is I've been happy with taking Alshon Jeffrey in that round, even though there is still that possibility that he might miss six games. But when I've already stockpiled on two or three receivers— I, I mean, having Alshon Jeffrey as my fourth receiver is just, I mean, it's it, it sounds awesome on paper. It looks awesome on paper, I should say. Okay, let's put our first two players under the microscope from round six, 
And the two guys that I want to look at are Chris Thompson versus Tariq Cohen. Chris Thompson is currently going... Sorry, let me double check. Uh, Chris Thompson's currently going 6.07, Tariq Cohen 6.09. Let's take a look at Thompson first. So last year... He had a career-high 510 receiving yards in just 10 games. He finished sixth amongst all running backs with, with that number. He would have finished third if he would have kept that pace over 16 games, and he would have finished with 816 yards. That would have put him just behind Alvin Kamara and Todd Gurley. He was on pace for 86 targets last year. Now, let's I, I do want to back off of that a little bit because I, he averaged just under four receptions per game over his previous 29 games in 2015 and 2016, and then the 5.4 receptions per game out through the 10 games in 2017. So I think that number regresses a little bit. I don't particularly think he gets to 86 receptions, or 86 targets, excuse me. I think he's going to be somebody that's maybe more in that. Uh, you know, I think he can get 75. I think that's that's certainly possible. Um who knows? I, I I could be wrong. Maybe maybe they maybe they do get him a little bit more involved because no more no more Terrell, Terrell Pryor. Excuse me. We don't know how good Josh Doxson is. They did, they just did sign Paul Richardson. We know Jordan Reed's hurt a lot. Jamison Crowder was banged up last year, but I think he's their best receiver. Chris Thompson might be their second best receiver. Um, so he's somebody that look I really really like in a PPR league. And and just to make this clear, I don't want any shares of Chris Thompson or Tariq Cohen in a non-PPR league and maybe not even in a, uh, maybe in a half PPR league, you know, I, I might, but you know, these are, these are PPR monsters and not monsters, but they're, they're PPR guys. I should say, uh, guys that you're going to draft in a PPR league, uh, because of the fact that they're going to catch 50, 60 plus balls most of the time. So, when I look at Chris Thompson, I see somebody who's a little bit more similar to Duke Johnson. You know, Duke Johnson being just a little bit bigger, but that same kind of, I think Duke Johnson might be a little bit more of a playmaker if I just had to be nitpicky, but Chris Thompson is is similar. I see similar, you know, capabilities on the football field when I put on the tape. And um, look, I, I just think that, that Thompson is a, is a very nice PPR uh, player again and, and somebody that, that is, you know, fair in a PPR league in in the sixth round. Now, looking at Tariq Cohen, I see him as somebody who's a little bit more similar to Darren Sproles. Looking at the numbers, he had six or fewer carries in 11 of 16 games last season, finished the season with 53 receptions on 71 targets, with 24 coming in the first four weeks. So after that, teams started to adjust a little bit. He had 16 receptions in the first two weeks, eight in each each week that, that span. And after those first four weeks, teams started to really adjust. He also averaged just 6.7 yards per reception. So I do think that will go up because, like I said, I just think he's a playmaker. Kind of reminds me of Darren Sproles in the sense that, you know, that shiftiness, he's fast. Uh, I don't know. I think Darren Sproles, they're, they're both pretty kind of in that same range. I was going to say he's faster. I, I don't know. I know I know or, uh, Cohen ran around a 4-4, 4-4-2. Um, but, the, but he, again, just the stature, the playmaking ability, the shiftiness, I think, I think it's similar in some regard. Um, look, I think Cohen will have more opportunities with a revamped receiving core and a better overall offense. The big thing here is how many more passes to the bears attempt. They were dead last in attempts last season with 473. And even if they increase by say three attempts per game, that still only puts them around 25th in the league. So they're going to have to throw a lot more, I think, to get Cohen, you know, a bigger target share. But then you also have to look at the weapons they brought in. They brought in Allen Robinson. They brought in Trey Burton. They brought in Taylor Gabriel. It's just, it's a lot. And if Adam Shaheen in year two can step up even a little bit more, they could have a nice one-two combination at the tight end position. Though I think Shaheen's going to be a little bit more used to block more so. But uh, regardless, there's a lot more mouths to feed in in. Chicago and I'm also just a little bit concerned about that number of passes I just wonder if um, you know that's 71 targets I just I don't know how much higher Sproles can get there and I'll also go back to what I said earlier about Chris Thompson when I said that I think that 75 targets might be kind of the top I'm gonna actually back off that I think that he can 
get back up to that 80, 80 target mark. Just again, looking at the, what else is there in Washington, I still think that in the fact that Alex Smith has leaned on running backs heavily in the passing game before, I think Chris, Chris Thompson could, um, you know, I, I, I just, I really think that he could have a huge role in that passing game this season. So I'm actually going to lean Chris Thompson here over Tariq Cohen. I think it's close, but I think Thompson gets maybe 10 or more, 10 plus more targets than Cohen, six plus more receptions. And I think that might be the difference. But they, again, they both should have around 90 to 100 carries and maybe five or six total touchdowns. I just think it comes down to the, to the slightly more target share or slightly bigger target share for Thompson. And ultimately, the more reception, you know, the the bigger, um, uh, the more receptions that Thompson will have to go along with that. Okay, let's take a look at round seven. And before I put my player comparison under the spotlight, I wanted to focus on, we focused on quarterback talk in round six. I wanted to focus just quickly here, about 60 seconds maybe, on tight end talk. And I wanted to give my take on what I've seen in a lot of mock drafts when I come into the seventh round. And to be quite honest, there aren't many tight ends, if any, that I'm really looking to get in that range. Uh, Trey Burton is is one that I've I've seen, but I still would rather have him in the eighth round because I still think there's some really good receiver value that I can get in the seventh round. And I'll talk about a couple of those guys here shortly. Um and to be completely honest with you, I'm not that excited about Kyle Rudolph, and I'm not that excited about Delaney Walker. So generally, I'm passing on tight ends in the seventh round. Um, if you're like me and you're not high on those two guys I just mentioned, you know there are certainly good value. Uh, there's certainly good value, and there are really good options after the seventh round. You can get David Njoku. I have as a top eleven, top twelve tight end. I can get him in the 10th or the 11th round. I think most of the time you probably can too in your drafts. Again, Trey Burton, I would love to, I would not mind taking him in the 7th round, but I would just slightly, you know, I would just slightly prefer more to be able to get him in the 8th round. So just something to think about when you start talking about tight ends. This is the range that I think uh, most people, a lot of people start kind of looking for one if you don't get one of the big few. Um, you know, Evan Ingram is another one that in the seventh round I'm okay with, though I'm not, I haven't targeted him a ton just cause I would do, I do worry that with Odell Beckham coming back with Sterling Shepard coming back with the addition of Saquon Barkley, that his target share, I do think is going to drop, drop massively and dropping massively from where it was, isn't necessarily a terrible thing because it was over 20%. There's just no way that's going to happen. It's going to regress maybe 7 8%, if not more. So uh, just something to consider when you're looking at Evan Ingram. Just not somebody that I've been targeting a lot, though I'm not I'm not seriously down on him. I still have him as, a, I think, a top five or six tight end, um, maybe a top seven tight end. But, but regardless, I, you know, if you want to go get him or Burton in the seventh round, I would say, yes, go do it. Otherwise... Unless you're high on Rudolph or high on uh, um, Delaney Walker, then then those two guys as well. Okay, uh, let's look at our two guys from round seven, and this is in a PPR league again. Sammy Watkins, seven point oh two versus Emmanuel Sanders. When I looked at these two guys nearly back to back, I thought, "Wow, that is a tough one." These are two guys that. Sammy Watkins has that ability to take the top off the defense, and I've talked about him as a very, very good talent in this league still, still 25 years old. I still believe in him as a very physically gifted receiver. Uh, Last year, he only saw 70 targets after seeing 111 per year over three years in Buffalo. The biggest question here is, will Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and Kareem Hunt cap his target share? I think his target share is going to be somewhere in that 90 to 100 range which isn't necessarily terrible. If he can catch 60%, 62, 63% of his balls, I think he'll have a decent season because I do think that that yards per catch range, um, you know, is going to be up there pretty high. I just, again, I just worry about the target share just, just a little bit. Uh, if it falls short of that and, and it, and it falls more in that range of where he was in LA, then we're looking at somebody who's just uh, quite honestly, not going to be a very great fantasy option. 
And then looking at Emmanuel Sanders, look, he just turned 31 in this offseason, and he played in just 12 games last year. Um, and, and that's the first time since 2011 that he's played in that few of games. So the age is something to think about with Sanders, though I it doesn't deter too, me too much from picking him, to be completely honest with you. Um, I still think he's going to be a, a pretty valuable part in that offense. Case Keenum, um, for example, the other night when I watched their preseason game, I mean, he was stuck on Sanders a few times where he really was looking at him went to him a few times, and I was really encouraged by that, to be honest with you. I think it's just, I think one of those two guys, it's kind of like what what we what we see in, in Minnesota with Thielen and Diggs. Obviously, they're two, two receivers that are going to be drafted higher than Thomas and Sanders. But who is Case Keenum going to gravitate towards, and who is Kirk Cousins going to gravitate towards? That is a big question that needs to be answered from what I saw the other night think I'm going to give Sanders the edge uh, just just slightly for right now. Uh, just looking at more of his numbers, he's averaged 137 targets over a 16-game pace the last four seasons. That's great. Catch rate has been under 60% each of the last three seasons. Not so great, but look at the quarterbacks he's played with since Peyton Manning, and even in Peyton's last season was not good. Uh, something to, you know, we can point the numbers to that a little bit. So let's, you know, who am I taking here? Is it, you know, Watkins versus Sanders? I, I just kind of laid it all out for you. And the one thing that it comes down to me again is, is, the val- is the volume. And I would say 125 targets for Sanders is certainly reasonable. And I, again, I think 95 is more the range that you're going to get for Watkins. So those extra 30 targets, I, I do think that that breaks, you know, kind of, is the deal breaker in a PPR league. I have Sanders in the in the range of 75 catches, 950 yards, and Watkins is more in that 55 catch range for 850 yards. So in a PPR league, those 20 extra points, 30 extra points, um, you know, that you're going to get from Sanders just in, in, in the catches and the yards, I think that certainly gives him the edge. So if it's coming down to these two guys for you, think about the volume. Sanders is going to get the edge there, and when it comes down to those catches and those yards, uh, it's it's going to be him. I, I do believe that in a PBR league, um, he'll he'll definitely he'll win that out. Okay, on to round eight, and we're going to take a look again at two wide receivers, two guys that I'm starting to fall in lo- fall in love with more and more every time I do mock drafts. Every time I look at where when it comes to a group of receivers, I'm looking at these two guys and I'm thinking I can get. Um, you know, if I can get both of them awesome, if I can, you know, I can get one of them great. And that's Robbie Anderson, who's going uh, second overall in the eighth round versus Cooper Cup, who's going right after him third in the eighth, third overall in the eighth round. Let's took let's take a look at Robbie Anderson first. Look, first off, these two guys are uh, pretty similar. Two guys that are probably going to be both around that sixty-five to seventy catch range, uh, both in that nine hundred. You know, they have the potential to be you know, 900 plus yards and six to eight touchdowns. Um, looking at Anderson last year, he finishes wide receiver 18 in PPR and 16 in non PPR. I don't think people realized, excuse me, that he was a top 20 receiver in both formats. Um, but he had a great season, 114 targets, 63 receptions, 941 yards, nearly 15 yards per reception and seven touchdowns. Taking a look at the Jets' wide receiver core, Quincy Anunua did miss all of last season. He comes back healthy this year, presumably. Uh, he did miss a little bit of preseason time with that thumb injury, but he is back. Taking a look at his 2016 numbers, 105 targets, 58 receptions, 857 yards, and four touchdowns. So he's somebody that could very well command a, a decent target share. I think he's pretty talented. Somebody that I claimed very, very, very late in my um, in our dynasty draft in, in double digit rounds, I think I caught him in like the, I can't remember. I think it was the somewhere in the 18th, 20th round, something like that. Um, but he could be a sneaky play for the jets. But when it comes to Robbie Anderson's case, a could take a decent amount of targets away. They still have Jermaine curse who had 102 targets last year in the added trail prior. And I mentioned at the top of the show, if Sam Darnold starts, you know, who will, who's going to, he is he going to find that connection with, I hope it's Robbie Anderson, but you can't exactly take it for granted either. You know, 
despite what Anderson did last season. Now let's take a look at Cooper Cup. Finished his wide receiver 25 in PPR last year. 94 targets, 62 receptions, 869 yards, and five touchdowns over five under over 15 games. So fairly similar numbers to uh, Robbie Anderson. Obviously the, the bigger target share for Anderson, but we mentioned that he is a guy who can stretch the field a little bit more of that deep threat. Um, the Rams let Sammy Watkins walk. He, he, you know, he's giving back 70 targets, but they did bring in Brandon Cooks. So that fills that void. And then some, I would imagine he's had 120 targets per year over the last three seasons, though I don't expect Brandon Cooks to get to that number. I think he's more in the 105 range, 100 to 105 range in terms of targets. Um, but Tyler Higby is somebody that they're high on, um, 45 targets, um, I think he had 45 last year. He's been a camp standout and should contribute more this season. Somewhere, somebody that I could think could to, could command 60 to 65 targets if he stays healthy for 16 games. So both of these guys have things to overcome with with Anderson, the Sam Darnold situation of him starting. Is he going to be any good? The fact that Anun was back, um, Cooper Cup has the you know to deal with the fact that there's just so m- many weapons in the Rams offense now, um, you know, obviously Todd Gurley is special. We know about Robert Woods and his connection with Jared Goff. And now the fact that they bring in Brandon Cooks, who is a big time playmaker himself and Tyler Higby at tight end. They're very high on him. I think they drafted him in the second round. So, uh, there's a lot of mouths to feed in, uh, in Los Angeles. Um, but again, I, I think both of these guys, as I mentioned, are very close, can be around 65 to 70 catches, and they're probably going to be in the same range. Uh, it's going to be pretty close in yards and touchdowns. I'm going to lean Cooper Cup, though, because of, of the Jets QB situation and because I think Gurley's touchdown numbers, you know, the six receiving particularly, go down 19 total. And I think that Cooper Cup becomes Josh or Jared Goff's favorite tar- red zone target. And I could see him maybe catching eight or nine touchdowns this year um, for sure. So give me the touchdowns with Cooper Cup. And if it comes down, again, if it comes down to the situation where you have these two guys, I think that you need to seriously look at a big factor here. I mentioned a bunch of them, but I, I think one to really circle is Todd Gurley's touchdown numbers from a year ago. Six receiving touchdowns for a running back is tough to duplicate year, you know, in back-to-back seasons. And if those go down, let's say he only gets two. Let's say he gets 13 total touchdowns this year, which is still a, a very good season. If it comes down to the red zone, I believe Cooper Cup's going to be that guy that Jared Goff looks at. And again, I'm going to lean uh, Cooper Cup in this situation. Okay, let's move to round nine. And there are actually three receivers here who I want to take a look at. Nelson Aguilar going fifth overall in the ninth round. Kelvin Benjamin is going one spot ahead of him, going fourth. And then Pierre Garçon is going at the top of the ninth round, first overall. So let's take a look at Aguilar first. I've talked a lot about him, so I I, I won't stick on this, uh, this too long. But the main point to think about here is if Jeffrey remains in the pup, then I think 115 targets would be well within reach for Nelson Aguilar. If he does not go on the pup, if Alshon Jeffrey does not go on the pup, then I think Aguilar's numbers are probably pretty similar to what they were last year. Um, but but look, I think 75 catches, 930 yards, and 68 touchdowns is certainly possible if Alshon Jeffrey is not available those first six games, and that would put him well within the, the top 24 receiver range be a great, great year for Nelson Aguilar. Um, if that scenario were to happen, if he were, were to miss the first six games, I think I would probably lean Aguilar in this situation. Let's take a look at Benjamin and Garcon, though. Benjamin, 27 targets and, and just 16 receptions in his six games with Buffalo last year. He was the, He's a really the, the only receiver there who is a fantasy threat. So that's the biggest thing to keep in mind with Benjamin and Buffalo. And then Garcon just turned 32 years old and he missed eight games last season. Look, he has been on pace for at least 50 catches and 750 yards every year since 2009. That's remarkable. And he's on pace. He was on pace for 70 plus receptions in seven of those nine seasons. But he's never scored more than six touchdowns in any season. So 
look, all three of these guys I think are capable of 70-plus receptions. Um, if I had to lean in terms of receptions, I think it would, if they all played 16 games, I think it would go Garcon, Aguilar, then Benjamin. But ultimately, I believe this is going to come down to touchdowns. So I'm going to give the slight edge here, even in a PPR league, I'm going to give the slight edge here to Kelvin Benjamin because I think, again, the fact that he's the only show in town in Buffalo, and I think he has a very legitimate chance to catch close to, if not double-digit touchdowns. And if he catches 70 balls with that, you're looking at a, I mean, you're looking at potentially a top 20 season for Calvin Benjamin. Not saying that's going to happen, but I'm going to give the edge to him out of these three guys because of that touchdown capability. Uh, I would go Aguilar second here because I do think he has a good chance to replicate his eight touchdowns from last year. And then I would go Garcon third. Okay, let's wrap this thing up here in round 10. And I'm going to change this up a little bit and look at some quarterbacks. Three quarterbacks who are going in this range who are all very close in my book are Philip Rivers, Matt Ryan, and Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, Rivers is going currently going at the top of the 10th round, first overall. Matt Ryan, third overall in the 10th round, and Big Ben at the very end, near the end of the 10th round, uh, 10.10. So let's look at Rivers first. He was 12th last season in in terms of fantasy points per game with 16.9. This year, they lost Hunter Henry for the season, so that doesn't help. But we're expecting a bigger jump from Mike Williams in year two. He still has Keenan Allen, who he'll rely on heavily. And we know about Melvin Gordon and, and what he offers in the past game along with Austin Eckler as well, Tyrell Williams. So they have they have weapons there in, 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 in almost at San Diego in L.A. And... Philip Rivers is a, probably a shoe in like he is pretty much every single year for 4,000 plus uh, touch or 4,000 plus passing yards and probably 25 plus touchdowns. Um, Roethlisberger, on the other hand, was ninth last season with 17.4 fantasy points per game. He only played in 15 games. So Rivers actually had more total fantasy points um, in six point per passing touchdown leagues over Roethlisberger last year, beat him out by 10 points. But in terms of fantasy points per game, Roethlisberger edged him out. Um, Look, Big Ben loses Martavis Bryant, but he gains James Washington, who could step in and have a role in year one. And if Vance McDonald can remain healthy, that should help. So the offense should be pretty much the same as it was last year and over the past couple years in terms of the ability to produce. And this has the chance to be actually the best offense out of these three quarterbacks uh, Matt Ryan being the other one, and that's another very good offense, or it should have the opportunity to if they can return to 2016 form. Um, 21.7 points per game in 2016 for Matt Ryan was second overall, and then just 14.3 last year. So that's it, it's it's not good when you look at those numbers. The addition of Calvin Ridley should help. So hopefully that Matt Ryan and that offense can kind of get back to what they were. Um. Looking at the strength of schedules, so this was this was tough for me because I have Roethlisberger and Rivers very close in my rankings. I actually have them back to back. I have Roethlisberger eleven, Rivers twelve, and then I have Matt Ryan sixteenth, fifteenth or sixteenth. So they're all fairly close. Atlanta, according to last year, and I don't. I mean, first let me say I don't like to look at strength of schedule too too much year to year because things can just change so much. Um, defenses change, personnel changes, coaching changes, the whole nine yards. So we don't, excuse me, we don't know, you know, who knows? Jacksonville could turn out to be a, just an okay defense this year. I would highly doubt that. But, but my point is there are many teams that are going to either improve or they're going to take a step back from 2017 to 2018. So you have to take some of these with a bit of grain of salt, but at least it paints a little bit of a picture um, for us moving forward. But anyway, Atlanta has the 13th easiest um, schedule for quarterbacks. LA is 19th, and then Pittsburgh's 30th. So they have a pretty tough schedule, according to um, you know all things considered, according to uh, fantasy pros and um, you know kind of what they're going up against. So. Let's take a look here. I think something to keep in mind 
is playoff schedules. And for the Chargers, they go to KC, and then they get Baltimore at home and then at Denver. I think that's pretty rough, honestly. I don't think that's great. KC might not, not be that bad, but that could be a game towards the end of the year where it's coming down to two teams battling for a playoff spot between the Chargers and Kansas City. And if that's the case, you know, you would bank on Kansas City coming to show up and play. And then Baltimore is always a tough opponent in terms of, you know, their defense and then going to Denver. That has been very tough the past few years. Pittsburgh, they get New England at home and then go at go to New Orleans and then Cincy at home. So not terrible, not great either. Uh, the Falcons probably actually have the best playoff schedule. And when I say playoff schedule, again, that's weeks 14, 15, and 16 for fantasy. Uh, Arizona at home and then at Carolina in week 15 and then Tampa Bay. So that actually might be the best of those three, if you're kind of if you if you get to that tenth round and you're and you want to somehow differentiate these three guys, then look at the playoff schedule, and you'll see that Atlanta probably has the best playoff schedule for their offense for Matt Ryan's chances in those three games. Um, just looking at it now, again that that can very well change from last year to this year. Per- you know, particularly at the end of the season, weeks 14 through 16, who knows what those teams are going to look like. But uh, he might, they might just have that the best schedule as it reads right now. Now, in my mind, look, I'm still going to lead Big Ben here. I do have him one spot again, uh, ahead of Phillip Rivers, like, like I mentioned. I'm going to stick with that. But either one of those guys, if you want to go Rivers over Big Ben, if you want to go Big Ben over Rivers, I think that's more of a preference call and it's very close. And the same with Matt Ryan. I, I have him a little bit lower because I'm I'm seriously worried about the touchdowns, and I think it's going to be just a, a problem again, personally. But, I mean, we'll see. Maybe he can get over that 30 touchdown mark. Maybe he can get back to that 2016 form um, where he was the MVP, where they just played absolutely lights out as an offense. But, uh, yeah, for me, I'm going to go Big Ben and then Phillip Rivers and then Matt Ryan. All right, everybody. Well, that does it for tonight's show. Thanks again for tuning in. Again, we have a couple more spots open in our podcast league, though we are going to have to change the date on that. I'm going to have to look around because I had something come up for that Tuesday, the day after Labor Day. I'll take a look at that schedule, try to work something out. But if you're interested, again, DM us. You can follow us at Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Just just search Pad the Stats. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Google Play Music. Until next time, everybody, have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you later. Bye-bye.